Heavenly Father, as we read the story of Jonah, Lord, let us hear the story with new ears. And if we've never heard it before, Lord, speak to us and show us what it has to teach us today. Jonah was a prophet, which means that God called him to be a spokesperson. God spoke to him, and then he spoke to God's people. And this is the first part of his story. A message from the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The Lord said, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it. The sins of its people have come to my attention. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish, so he went down to the port of Joppa, and there he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, and he went on board. Then he sailed for Tarshish. He was running away from the Lord. But the Lord sent a strong wind over the Mediterranean Sea. A wild storm came up. It was so wild that the ship was in danger of breaking apart. All the sailors were afraid. Each one cried out to his own God for help. They threw the ship's contents into the sea. They were trying to make the ship lighter. But Jonah had gone below deck. There he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call out to your God for help. Maybe he'll pay attention to what's happening to us. Then we won't die. Here's what the sailors said to one another. Someone is to blame for getting us into all this trouble. Come, let's cast lots to find out who it is. So they did, and Jonah was picked. They asked him, what terrible thing have you done to bring all this trouble on us? Tell us, what do you do for a living? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people do you belong to? He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. He is the God of heaven. He made the sea and the dry land. They found out that he was running away from the Lord. And that's because he told them. Then they became terrified. So they asked him, how could you do a thing like that? The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. Then it will become calm. I know it's my fault that this terrible storm has come on you. But the men didn't do what he said. Instead, they did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't. The sea got even rougher than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. They prayed, please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. After all, he might not be guilty of doing anything wrong, so don't hold us responsible for killing him. Lord, you always do what you want. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the stormy sea became calm. The men saw what had happened. Then they began to have great respect for the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to him and they made promises to him. Now the Lord sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. When I was in trouble, I called out to the Lord, 
and he answered me. When I was deep in the place of the dead, I called out for help, and you listened to my cry. You threw me into the Mediterranean Sea. I was deep down in the waters. They were all around me. All your rolling waves were sweeping over me. I said, I have been driven away from you, but I will look again toward your holy temple in Jerusalem. I had almost drowned in the waves. The deep waters were all around me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank down to the bottom of the mountains. I thought I had died and gone down into the grave forever. But you are the Lord my God. You brought me my life up from the very edge of the pit of death. When my life was nearly over, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you. It reached you in your holy temple in heaven. Some people worship the worthless statues of their gods. They turn away from them, from God's love for them. But I will sacrifice a thanks offering to you. And I will shout with thankful praise. I will do what I have promised. I will say, Lord, you are the one who saves. The Lord gave the fish a command, and it spit Jonah up onto dry land. years ago, I preached the story of Jonah for the first time, and the staff at the church decided it'd be a great idea if I did it soaking wet. And so the band's playing, and I'm side stage, and they've got me standing in a baby pool, and then they get buckets of water, and they douse me in this. And then they take my microphone and they put it in a plastic bag so it doesn't shock me or something or maybe short out, I don't know. And I put it out and then I, I come out and all I can remember is how cold I was with the AC in the room, just soaking wet. Um, Ryan, who was up here and who prayed uh, the prayer of Jonah when he was in the belly of the whale, uh, Ryan's studying to be a pastor. So just a fair warning, Ryan, that when you do become a young pastor, a lot of times the staff likes to pick on you and get you to do hard things. But um, it, for example, like the, the next idea they had for me to do a sermon was to go skydiving with a helmet cam so I could preach a message on courage. And I had to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so such, such are the trials. But here we are with the story of Jonah, which is one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible. I think for a lot of people, maybe the reason that they would say that they reject Christianity or, or they reject the teachings of the Bible is because of stories like this. How could you even imagine that somebody could be in the belly of a whale? Now, my opinion is, if you think that the Jonah story is just a story about the whale, you have really missed the whole thing. Because the story of Jonah is about Jonah being offended by God's mercy. All his life, he had wanted to be a prophet. He would preach to Israelite kings. He would say unpopular things to them, things that they did not want to hear. Because he was speaking for God. And so Jonah wasn't afraid of, of, of the retribution of men or anything like that. Jonah wanted to preach what God's word was because he wanted to see Israel restored. 
He wanted to see Israel do well. He wanted to see these kings succeed in leading God's people. And the only way they were going to do that is if they opened their ears and they listened to God. But nobody was doing that. And so God sent prophets like Jonah to do that very thing. And so Jonah was very, very happy with his calling. He was very happy when he had the chance to speak to Jewish people and Jewish leaders and challenge them to do better, to be better. It's one of the things that so often is missing, even in our culture too. To have brave people of God call out leaders and call out the the people in our culture simply to speak for the Lord so that they can take warning. Where Jonah drew the line is when God called him to go preach to Nineveh. Because the Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. The Ninevites were everything that Jonah hated, everything that the Jewish people hated. They had been at war with Israel for nearly a century. What do you mean you want me to go preach to the Ninevites? That's the last place I want to go. Because two things could happen. I could show up there and preach to the Ninevites. They could reject me and they'd probably kill me. Or number two, and I don't know which is worse, I could preach to the Ninevites and they might actually listen. And what if they did listen and then you, God, had mercy on them? I don't know which is worse. And so for Jonah, he did something that a lot of us can't even imagine. I mean, if you heard from God and God specifically wanted you to do something and you knew it was true that God wanted you to do it, you probably wouldn't dare reject God. But Jonah did. And it says it in verse 3, instead of hopping on a camel and riding 500 miles to Nineveh, instead he went to Joppa and he hopped on a boat for Tarshish. And Tarshish is in southern Spain. And southern Spain is beautiful. Maybe Jonah could find a nice Jewish community in southern Spain. He could start a beach ministry or something. Sangria, wonderful Spanish food. In fact, in that area in Tarshish in southern Spain, they were known for smelting metals, rich ores. Maybe the people there were a little bit more refined too. Because you know what they say about the Ninevites. The Ninevites, what happens in Nineveh, it's a lot like Vegas, folks. What happens in Nineveh stays in Nineveh. We're talking sex, drugs, and Assyrian rock and roll. And they were known for this. Their chief goddess that they worshipped, so different from the God of Israel. They worshipped Ishtar. And she's known by other names in other cultures, but Ishtar was a goddess of love, which means sex, and power, which means war. In fact, they had set up cults where they were literally sex cults in their temples. You would go there and you would practice worship this way. It was disgusting to a Jewish person. I'm sure it would be disgusting to any of you to imagine that that's how the gods worked. No, no, we we worship the one creator God. Jonah knew that. We worship the one creator God. And he's not going to be manipulated that way. God isn't interested in any kind of disgusting habits. No, God wants you to be faithful in your marriage. This has nothing to do 
with what the Jewish people are supposed to be like. Another interesting thing about the story of Jonah is how historically factual it is. For the people that get hung up on the whale, they ignore all the historical accuracy that's actually in the book. I'll give you an example. We have uh, historical records that are now being shown in archaeology. Like, I'm going to show you a picture of some archaeological dig that's working right now. In fact, archaeologists are trying to repair this relief of carvings that go all the way back to the time of Jonah. These were mostly destroyed by ISIS. ISIS, just recently, they tried to destroy these things because it was a different religion. They didn't care about the historicity of it. They didn't care that things like this, to quote Indiana Jones, belong in a museum. They just want them wiped off the face of the earth. And so archaeologists are doing their best to restore these things. Same thing with the statues that are at the Negal Gate. Amazing, amazing archaeological finds. Again, that date all the way back to the time of Jonah. Pictures of their kings, some of them looking a lot like pharaohs. If you go to uh, modern-day Assyria now, which is Iraq, you can actually find the mound, and it's named after Jonah the prophet. You can actually see the place that the modern-day Iraqis and the ancient Assyrians said that Jonah was there and he preached there. This isn't just a Bible story that's in an old, old book. This is something that we actually have archaeological evidence that Jonah was there. Oh, and by the way, don't tell your friends, we actually have two reports from the last 120 years of sailors who were thrown overboard or they were lost overboard from their ships who have survived more than a day in the belly of a fish, a whale. One of them, when he came out, the stomach acid that was in the whale had actually bleached his skin terribly white. Oh, and I don't even want to mention that the Assyrians, they had a demigod that was a, a fish slash man god. And so perhaps when Jonah came out of the sea and that story started to go, maybe they thought Jonah had some authority. But again, it, it's not all of this that I want you to look at the story of Jonah and I want you to wonder about all these things and could somebody survive in the belly of a whale. I want you to actually focus on what's the point and it's this right here. As a believer in God, are you going to be offended by mercy? Because the story of Jonah challenges each of us with, with this question. Who is your Nineveh? Who is the enemy in your life? Who is the people group in the world? Who is the country, the, the enemy of our country that's out there in the world? That God might be calling you to go and to preach his mercy to with the hope that they could change their ways, they could be different. Who is your Nineveh? Who is the person in your life that if you could just show them God's love through you or extend the hand of friendship, they might reject it like the Ninevites could have done with Jonah. But God's calling you to be kind. God's calling you to show mercy. And you'll never know what's possible. You, ne you will never know what the Holy Spirit can do in somebody's heart until you say yes to that calling, that challenge. 
One of the challenges, and I, I think I'm about a week late, but one of the challenges I think that this series demands of all of us is this. In this political, again, I'm, I'm probably a week late, and maybe you guys have been mean to everybody online. I hope not. But in this political season, and it seems like America stays in a political season all the time, what would it look like if Christians posted only, only, only edifying and unifying things? What would it look like if Christians actually took the high road that nobody else wants to take and only posted edifying and unifying things? Now, I know that might mean you can't comment a lot on political stuff because sometimes it feels like there's not a lot of edifying or unifying things in politics. But it does mean that you can talk about things that are good, that are honorable, respectful, and beautiful in the world and within our culture. It does mean that we can raise the, the value of the people that might be reading the things that we have. We're, we're actually showing respect and honor to them. It can be hard. It's, it's easy to make enemies. It's really hard to share your heart and your love with people who a lot of times are difficult. But that's the call of a Christian, and that was the call of Jonah as well. Now, that story on the boat, it's, it's, it's really kind of amazing where, you know, the sailors who are there, obviously, they're not Jewish people, and they don't know what's going on. But he's, he's heading to Tarshish. He's going the wrong way. And God is ready to upset a sea if you're not going to do his will, which is something we all need to remember for the story. And when we're going through something in our life, we need to at least stop and say, has God called me to something different? And I'm completely disobeying him. Because God has no problem disrupting things in our lives. God has no problem disrupting seas when we blatantly disregard his command on our lives. And that's what Jonah was doing. He was going the other way. He was in a boat instead of on a camel. And so the sailors, they cast lots and it fell to Jonah. And then they talked to Jonah and Jonah just confesses, this is all on me. And in order to save all of your lives, it's important that I get off this boat. But we're in the middle of the sea, and it's a raging sea. I know, but if I'm going to save your lives, and if I have any chance of my own life, i got to get off this boat now, because God's not going to take no for an answer. And so he went into the sea, and immediately the waters calmed, which God wants to do. He wanted to do for them and he wants to do for you. The question is, are we headed the wrong way? Or are we submitting to God? Or are we listening to God? And God even found a way out for Jonah. And that way out is a weird thing. And for a lot of people, this is the reason, I know this is the reason they reject the scriptures. But the scriptures are true and they are good. And this story of Jonah is beautiful. And so God provided this fish. And the significance is so important because the New Testament writers, they bring this up again and again, the significance of what happened with Jonah. Jonah was in that fish for three days and three nights. And then 
while he's in the fish, can you imagine what Jonah would do? In fact, I think chapter 2, verse 1 is the most obvious verse in all of the Bible. If, if, if you thought you were about to die and now you were swallowed up and you're in the belly of a whale and it smells like, I can't even imagine. What, what should chapter 2, verse 1 say after that happens? Jonah prayed. <laughs> Jonah prayed, God, I'm sorry. God, you have been good. God, here I am below the mountains, looking at the actual base of the mountains, which is, which is down here in the bottom of the sea. And God, I have always depended on you, and I have always needed to listen to you. Yeah, that verse is the most obvious verse in the entire Bible. Jonah prayed. <laughs> he prayed. And you know what? And God listened. This is one of my favorite confessional prayers in all of the Bible. Because the way out of his terrible disobedience and his disregard for a whole people just because they were his enemy and his disregard to, to preach God's mercy when God has commanded him to do it, which is the whole reason that prophets and preachers even exist at all. Why do we even have a job? We only work on Sundays. It's to preach God's mercy. And Jonah was willing, that, willing to do that for some, just not for all. And so why do we even have a job? Why do we? It's to do that very thing. But the good news is in this confessional prayer is God was waiting for it. God couldn't wait for it. Because it was so beautiful and it was so honest and it was so revealing. And so the gospel, the good news for Jonah was when he got, and I, I love the King James Version, for verses like this. Some of them say that he spit them out onto the land. I don't think that's what happened at all. I think the whale vomited him on the land. Because God wanted him out there as soon as he could. And God wanted him to go fulfill his mission. And so it did. The Lord spake to the fish, as it says in the King James Version, and it vomited out Jonah onto dry land. That must have been a pretty big heave to get him over the breakers. And so then Jonah has to go do his thing. And the story is not going to be over. But the comparison that the New Testament writers make to this event in particular, the reason that the New Testament writers, the disciples of Jesus, the reason they're not just going to write off the story as a, a myth or a legend that teaches you a nugget of truth, the reason that they're just not going to write it off that easily, and you shouldn't either, is because the theological significance that they see in it. Just as Jonah was in that fish for three days, so was the Lord Jesus in the tomb, they say. And just as Jonah was vomited out with a chance at new life, so the Lord Jesus, when that stone was rolled away, he vomited out of death. He came out of death. He came out of that tomb with new life, resurrection, 
and it's new life, and it's good news for him, and it's new life, and it's good news for us too. The gospel. Jonah experienced the gospel in a small way, way back there in the Old Testament. Because it was through his confessional prayer that he got a second chance to follow God and to honor God and to preach for God. And it wasn't going to be an easy road from that point on. But more on that next week. In the same way, you need the same thing in your life. You need to see the significance of this kind of thing and how it connects to the tomb of Jesus. How the New Testament writers were looking at the tomb of Jesus and saying, see, this has been our story all along. If we're just willing to confess, we can have new life too. And by the way, if you're going to dismiss one miracle, the miracle of somebody surviving in a whale, then are you also going to dismiss the most important miracle, the only reason the church exists? The only reason any of you pray? The only reason any of you have faith? The only reason that any of you look at death and you smile a little because you know, you know at the hardest of funerals that as much as we grieve, there is a reason that we also have some amount of joy in that same moment. Because God has claimed them. God has now given them new life. On the worst day of your life when you lose somebody you love, you also know it is the best day of their life because they're with God and they have new life and their knees don't hurt anymore and their brains work better than ever before and their hearts are filled with more joy than ever before. And so far be it from any of us to be offended by God's mercy because the same thing that got you in, God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, it's the same thing that got you in. It's the same thing that has the potential to save the world. And some people will reject it. But as we're going to find out, not that day. Because Jonah went out and he listened to God and he did what God asked. And good things started to happen. We love you all. Come back next week. Pastor Chuck is going to be preaching from chapter 3. If you want an assignment, immerse yourself in the scriptures again. Read Jonah 1 and 2 this week. Get ready for Jonah 3 next week. And see what God might be revealing to each of you. God's grace to you all. Amen.